0: Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Uh, we've spent so much time on this podcast focusing on the savory side of dining, but today we're going to take a little detour into the world of sweets, and I'm just, I feel so blessed to have this guest on today. I can honestly say that she is, in my opinion, one of the most skilled and talented people that I've had on the show so far. This is Lindy Pearson, the pastry chef at v Lindy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: It's... Really, really fun to have you on here and to like put a face to all the desserts of yours that I've eaten. And I'm not a huge sweets person. Like my wife and I usually don't get a lot of dessert because we fill up on appetizers and entrees and everything. But when we go to Okarant, which you worked at previously, or V-Mertz, like we just we we know going in that dessert is going to be part of the equation because this is just it's an elevated experience. So I just want to start kind of at a broad level. I think that. The general public has a perception of what the difference between a savory chef or cook and a pastry chef is. But I don't know if that's entirely accurate. So I'm just going to lay it out to you and just kind of let you explain what what are the main differences.
1: Um, I think for me, like something that I always had even before culinary school was I really liked like the exactness of things and making sure everything was in order and so I think that's why I kind of went more towards pastries because it does have that like okay this is how it's gonna go every single time whereas savory is a lot more like thinking on your feet like oh well the whatever you're using was more ripe this time than last time so you have to season it differently or something like that um, which I'm still like capable of doing but I just like knowing for sure that (laughs) something's going to work one way or the other um, with like a set recipe. Um, So for me, that's something I like about pastry. Um, Something that I do admire, though, about savory cooking is that aspect I just mentioned where like you do get a little bit more creativity with deciding how do I want to make this flavored today or how do I want to make this maybe a few months down the road when this ingredient has changed. Um, So I think that they do have a little bit more flexibility with that. But, um, yeah, I guess in terms of like technicality, um, I feel like a lot of pastry aspects are used in savory cooking, like in terms of like sauce making, like a lot of the same foundations of how you would build a sauce or like a custard is still used in savory side.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think you just touched on this a little bit, but I think, uh, there's kind of a general thought that cooking is an art while baking is a science. Would you agree with that?
1: (laughs) A little bit. I guess I kind of trailed into that with the exactness uh, aspect, but um, I feel like baking can still be considered an art if you want to uh, (laughs) just be creative with whatever ingredients you have and making sure that you're using those, like, really seasonal items to inspire you versus just – um, going from the book, like, okay, this is what we're making today. Just cause.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned that there are, there are some advantages to being able, if you're a savory cook to just being able to kind of change things on the fly. But obviously that's not something that you get as a pastry chef, because once something, you know, is in the oven or once something is in motion, there's no changing it. There's no (laughs) adding, you know, some seasoning. There's no, you know, changing the temperature. like that's going to severely affect the final product. So how much, like, additional planning is there on the front end? Not saying that savory cooking doesn't involve a lot of planning, because it does. Mm -hmm. But especially for baking, because you can't make those on-the-fly changes, how much more planning is involved?
1: Um, I guess I usually start with, like, a recipe that I've done before. And then if it's something I feel confident in, I might change a ingredient there. Um, So, like, recently I did a white chocolate mousse that was the last resort at a So the original recipe was just plain white chocolate mousse, and it had a considerable amount of milk in it. So I just replaced the milk with strawberry puree, and that's how I got the strawberry white chocolate mousse, because I knew that that recipe worked. Um, So switching out something that's like a relatively similar consistency usually works pretty well. Um, I don't know if the same would work if I used lemon juice, because it's a little less viscous than like milk or the puree would be. Um, same thing with, then you might have to adjust the sugar cause lemon's so sour. Um, but that was something that I did recently where like, I was pretty confident in the recipe as it was. And then I changed one thing and just saw if it worked. <laughs> um, so same thing goes for like a cake. If you're making a vanilla cake, you can probably throw in a seasoning or two, but you might not be able to adjust the liquid like first thing. So Just Uh, testing things as you go and kind of recording what you did before and if it worked or not. And if it didn't, just backtrack a little bit and try something else.
0: So how much trial and error goes into, like, the average dessert that you put together? Like, okay, so, like, when you conceptualize the dessert, how many times do you make it? How many times do you test it before you hit that final product where you're like, yes, this is what's going on the menu?
1: Um, I have a little bit more time, so to speak, to get something on the menu at Mertz just because the like menu doesn't change as quickly as it did at Al-Kurant. Um So really at Alcoran it was kind of like a one and done, like this better work because <laughs> I need to use this. <laughs> um, so sometimes I had a few things that didn't go as I planned, but then I really tried to either like use it as it was, maybe if it didn't turn out how I had originally planned, like how can I alter it now that it's either come out of the oven or set or whatever it was to still be usable. Um, but luckily I didn't have too many things like that happen. Most of the stuff was stuff that was usable or worked or went as planned. Um, but at Mertz I come might I might tinker with some stuff before it hits the plate and might do like one small cake and make sure that it's like what we're looking for and then if it is I'll just like family meal that one item and then continue on with the rest.
0: Gotcha. So. Now you were you are officially now the pastry chef at V Mertz. That that is your role. But before You were double dipping. You were working at V-Mertz and working at Au I don't really have a more intelligent question than to just say how. (laughs) That (laughs) that sounds impossible. How did you make that happen?
1: Um, I lately have described it to a lot of people as like a frog that was sitting in like a room temp pot of water (laughs) and then just (laughs) as the entire year went on the pot slowly got warmer (laughs) so first thing when it started like the restaurants were both closed I was out of school because metro was closed um so I was really itching to get back to work but then also like the restaurant was doing like 30 covers in a weekend like it was super Mm -hmm. slow Um, So I went back to work at Aukurant in July, and then I had been back at Mertz, just working like Garmo and kind of doing pastry help in July as well. So like my responsibility there wasn't really like the pastry chef yet. Um, So I was the pastry chef at Aukurant, and then kind of moving into August, uh, the previous pastry chef, Allie, was graduating from Bellevue, so she moved on to a position using her degree there, and then I became the... Sub in for the pastry chef there. And then all of a sudden I was like, I guess I'm a pastry chef at two restaurants. (laughs) 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 Um, But it was still pretty slow. And I was doing like 10 to 12 hours at Aukaran and then about 20 to 25 at Mertz. So really it was still less than 40 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Aukaran was pretty flexible. So I would just go in on Mondays when the restaurant was closed after menu meeting. And then kind of like Tuesday, Wednesday night also. And then I would have my prep done there by Wednesday night for rollout on Thursday and then I'd kind of have a heavier schedule at Mertz like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, So for the first like six to nine months honestly like it felt like it was pretty balanced but definitely the last like two to three it really amped up.
0: (laughs) Uh Well congratulations (laughs) on uh, (laughs) um, uh, the full-time position at Mertz now. It sounds like you have more than enough work going on there Yeah, (laughs) and I I mean this, this question that I'm about to ask applies to just your current position, but especially when you're working at both restaurants, because at All Courant, you have a new dessert every week for the tasting menu. You're constantly having to come up with something new. I'm not sure how often the menu changes at Mertz, but it's frequent as well. It's not just a set menu where it's like, okay, th- these are our desserts for the next six months. It's changing. Where are you coming up with the inspiration for all these different desserts? Because at least from what I've experienced, there aren't like any clunkers. Like I feel like there would if I was asked to come up with something different all the time, there would be one week where I'd just kinda of be like, Oh, I don't really have anything. I'm just kinda of mailing it in this week. I haven't seen that from you. Like where does where does all this come from?
1: <laughs> uh that's a great question. I honestly like asked myself that kinda of going into it. I was like, How am I gonna have enough ideas for this? <laughs> um But really like for All even, like, it was really just, like, what I wanted to eat every week. I was, like, what sounds good? What do we have ingredients for? What's in season? Um, What has been something that I've been wanting to do and haven't been able to? Um, Because really, right before uh, the shutdown, I was, like, kind of scheduled to take the plated desserts class at Metro, and I, like, never got to take that class yet. So kind of in the back of my head for, like, a few months, I'd already been, like, thinking about different plated desserts. Um, mostly in a school aspect of like, oh, how can I show these skills to like prove that I've learned whatever over the last like four classes or something. So some of those weren't super applicable for our because I was just like really busy and maybe didn't have time to do something super in-depth every week. Um, but then at Mertz, it's more so just like um, having kind of like one of something across the menu so we have like one cake we have one kind of tart we have something cold something gluten or dairy free um so you kind of have like one of those things um so then I might make something for like two months and if it's still selling like we had really good luck with the um peanut butter bomb that was on the menu. So that was on the menu for a while. Um, and it was kind of like, I got tired of making it, but people still <laughs> were eating it. So I was like, I guess I'll keep making it. Um, but then kind of as that trailed out, like some of the other desserts started getting more popular. So then we would just let that one run out and have some kind of replacement for it when it was done. So you kind of have a constant rotation of things. Um, but I guess in terms of ideas, it's mostly driven by like what's seasonal and just like what sounds fun to make.
0: Do you ever get writer's block where just in one week, for whatever reason, nothing really sounds fun? Or, like, the ingredients that are in season, it's just like, I'm not inspired by these right now. Does that ever happen?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, like, the hardest few months at Aucarant were about, like, January, February, when there's really just, like, no seasonal anything like, you're, you've been doing like chocolate stuff for a while because like people are just kind of into richer stuff um, over the winter. But yeah, definitely like a few of those weeks I was like, man, it's Sunday night and many meetings tomorrow and have no idea what we're making this week. <laughs> um, but like I said, something always comes up and you think of something.
0: Um, how important is balance in dessert? Because I feel like a lot of people, when they think of dessert, like the first thing that comes to mind is sweetness, and obviously that is uh, usually a, a large component in a dessert. But as I've eaten desserts at you know some more higher end restaurants, I've really come to appreciate appreciate like some fresh fruit some savory elements, um, definitely some acid. And I think the biggest one and something that I always recognize in your desserts is there's always some element of texture that I really appreciate. Even if it's like you mentioned, like that mousse, you also had a white chocolate crumble that went along with it and really kind of complemented it. So it wasn't soft on soft, but there was some balance. There was some difference there. How important is balance in dessert rather than just throwing a sugar bomb at
1: <laughs> I think it's super important. Um, like Definitely through school, I kind of came to figure out that there's like five different elements you can include. So like you mentioned a few of those, it was like texture and then like hot or cold Um, smoothness or like crunchiness kind of goes in with texture as well. Um, And then like acid and salt as well to balance all the sugar. Um, So that's definitely something that I feel like I use a lot is I like stuff that's hot and cold or something that's crunchy on something soft. Um, but then also playing in with your flavors, like making sure that if you have like something that is white chocolate, that's like basically all sugar, you might have something sour or something salty to go with that, so that it all plays out evenly.
0: Mm-hmm. I find it so interesting that you said that you didn't get a chance to take the the dessert plating course because your desserts are just beautiful. They they look just like. I almost want to take it and hang it on the wall, (laughs) but then that would defeat the purpose because I want to eat it more. (laughs) How did you learn that skill? Because that's not something that's easy to do, to learn how to plate and catch someone's attention visually before they even dive in and experience the flavors.
1: Yeah, it was definitely like something that didn't feel natural at first. Um, So I kind of played around with it in different classes at school where like, your end product for the day. You could plate it if you wanted to, but you didn't have to. So most of the time I would like try to plate it with something that I had. And a lot of them didn't look great to begin with. Um, But kind of as you like do that hands-on work of like trying to get something in your head to come out onto the plate the way you thought it would, and then maybe seeing, oh, well, this didn't work this way. What can I do next time to maybe make that more achievable. (laughs) Um, and then really just like watching other people plate. Um, I watched like a lot of videos on even just Instagram of like people plating desserts and kind of seeing what they do with different components. Um, I think I got a lot of like my style of plating from chef Ben working under him on Garmo, uh, my first time around at Akron because that was kind of like my first like outside of school experience with plating anything. Um, so I did a lot of just like the garment work on that side, but kind of seeing how they plated things there, I think played into a lot of how I have like a natural way of plating things now. Um, and then I guess just trying to make sure that there's some kind of flow happening. So if there's like the main item, you kind of want the rest of your eyes to like move around the plate somehow.
0: Now you mentioned you learned so much from from working under Ben Maids at, at O'Quran. What was it about the way that those Garmo dishes were plated that has translated into your desserts now?
1: Um, One thing that I remember Chef Ben saying was like perfect bite theory. When you're plating something, you want it to be easy for the person to eat. So you don't want to have to expect them to know how to eat it. So if you have something all split up on the plate, are they going to know that they need to take a spoonful of each of those things to have it taste how you were expecting? Or are you building it just so they can eat as they go and it's going to taste like that? Um, so that's something that I try to incorporate into when I'm plating is just like making sure that all of the components are somehow working together somewhere. Um, I guess that's probably the main one.
0: And, and that's a great one because you kind of, this is going to sound backwards, but sometimes you want to take the control out of the diner's hands because if you just give them free reign, they might not experience it in the way that you created it in the way that you built those flavors and... You want them to get the whole thing. You don't want them to get three separate pieces. You want them to get everything together. So, yeah, I think that that's that's obviously a very important thing. I may be asking you to choose your favorite child here, but (laughs) are there any desserts out of the thousands that you've created that really stand out where you were just like, man, I knocked this one out of the park, or you tasted it and it's one of your favorite tasting ones? Are there any that just come to mind?
1: Um, definitely that last one at Aukara I was really proud of. (laughs) Um, since I kind of threw that recipe together, like, the week it was happening, I, like, had an imagination of, like, how I wanted it to taste, and when I tasted it, I was like, wow, that is exactly what I wanted, and sometimes it doesn't happen like that, like, it tastes okay, but it's not, like, what you're hoping for, but it's, like, fine, it's not like it's bad, (laughs) but that one I was definitely, like... That's exactly what I was expecting.
0: And this was the strawberry mousse? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so just to I- explain this to people, the way that O'Quran's menu is structured, it, for each course there's kind of one word that describes a dish overall, and then there's three kind of um, complementary words underneath it to, to describe the dish. So the way that it was described was the menu item was just called mousse, and then the three words underneath it were white chocolate, strawberry, and lemon curd. And my wife and I, we'd, uh, we decided to come in and do the tasting menu. And we were really excited about every course. And we got to the dessert and we were kind of like, hmm, these aren't like white. We're not big white chocolate fans. We're not big lemon fans. We're like, eh, you know, th- these aren't things that we would normally put together and expect to be great. But we were like, we have had enough of Lindy's desserts <laughs> that we trust her. There is no doubt that this is going to be delicious. And honestly, it's up there with my favorite desserts that I've had at Okra, probably with the candy bars that you made last October <laughs> that for was Halloween. also on my list. Those <laughs> were incredible. That I'm not normally a Snickers fan, which might sound crazy, but I loved your Snickers. So <laughs> anyway, just to explain why that dessert stands out and why it was so fantastic, there you go. There's a little backstory. <laughs> Speaking of backstory, I want to get into your backstory a little bit. So take me back to the beginning. Uh, how did you get interested in food originally?
1: Um, I... For baking, I guess, I really just enjoyed it as a hobby in high school. One of my friends and I would, like, bake cupcakes (laughs) when they were really booming in, like, 2012. Um, Same thing with cake pops. Um, So we just really liked cooking at home. And then I kind of got into food service. My first job was at Jimmy John's. And so I did that like kind of coming out of high school and then I kind of wanted to go to culinary school but it wasn't like a for sure because then I was worried if I go to culinary school and I'm finished like all I will have is a degree in cooking like what if I don't like cooking maybe I don't want to work in a kitchen for the rest of my life (laughs) so I put that off and I went to Nebraska Wesleyan. Um, which was in Lincoln where I grew up and I got a business degree and I kind of just like tried to follow the like general course of things, how people expect you to like, you're going to go get a four-year degree and you're going to get an office job and that's it. (laughs) So I kind of like tried to do that, but I couldn't find anything that I really liked. Um, And I just kind of bounced around between like other cooking jobs throughout all of that while I was trying to find a different job. And I ended up at Cultiva Coffee in Lincoln where I was, um, a line cook and I had applied to be a barista. I did not really want to be a line cook, but they had an opening in the kitchen. And so I took that and I ended up actually really enjoying it. Um, so that was like breakfast food. Um, mm-hmm. and so then I worked there for like off and on like a year and a half, two years. I was kind of like back and forth as I would like go to school or do different things. I'd like quit for a little bit and then come back when it was busy again, um, Found myself back there, uh, like right after graduating from Wesleyan, and then about a year into searching for jobs and stuff, I was just like not having any luck. So I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go to culinary school now." <laughs> uh, so I moved to Omaha in I think 2018. Yeah, because I graduated in 2017. Um, I.
0: Real, real quick. I want to go back to Cultiva. You said that working on the line there was like, you found that you really liked it. What was it about that experience that made you think like, Hey, this is really fun. I'm really good at this.
1: Um, So I guess most of what I did was uh, cook on the line. And then that was like during service, so to speak, which I really didn't know what any of these terms were like when I worked there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the line is kind of open there where like the cook's hand off the food to customers. It's not like there's a pass or like servers or anything. Um, So you would like call out someone's order on a mic that was like over the restaurant and then the customer themselves would come up and get it. And so a lot of times like when I would put their plate up, they'd be like, oh wow, I'm like really excited to eat this. Or they would like explain something about why they were like at Cultiva. Like they just really liked the food there. And like just that affirmation was really nice. And I was like, wow, like I really like cooking for people. And just like i don't know i think that's where it started was just like me realizing that maybe that was what i wanted to do
0: okay now back to culinary school yeah. sorry for the interruption no that's
1: fine um yeah so i moved to omaha i was kind of like panicking about not having a job because like working as a line cook it doesn't pay very much so <laughs> i moved up here i had like no money and i was like oh my god i need to find a job and I actually ran into Francesca at Metro, when she was the bakery manager at Hardy, where she's still at now. And I was just talking to her and was like, yeah, I don't really have a job, kind of trying to try figure that out. And she was like, oh, come work at my bakery. And I was like, what do you mean, your bakery? <laughs> like, sign me up. Um, so I started working at Hardy as a baker, and I was there for about a year and three months. Um, that was during my first like year of culinary school. So like all of your intro classes, kind of like all of those things that I learned, like fell into place at the bakery. Um, and then really from there, I started at Aukaran after my time at Hardy and then the rest, we kind of briefly covered. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But how, okay. So how do you move from Hardy to Aukaran? Because I mean, this is nothing against Hardy. I love Hardy coffee and the, the, the pastries and the, um. The breakfast items there are very, very good. Auchan is some of the, I would say, most high-end food in this <laughs> in the city. Like that, that's a very big gap. How, like, what made you take that leap from Hardy to a fine dining restaurant?
1: Um, so I was on the culinary team through Metro. Um, so that I feel is was kind of like my um, lily pad to like fine dining. Um, so that's like the (laughs) I guess culinary team is kind of like it's still fine dining but they're like heightening it to a point of like school like they're really just like pushing to do like what can we do that's like the hardest thing possible in the smallest amount of time (laughs) and so that I think is kind of what got me that like hustle and that like drive to just like do whatever you can think of that's like the best um so I was doing that while I was at Hardy, and then um, there was just, like, a moment where I was off school because their quarters kind of have, like, a week or two in between where they're not happening. Um, so I just, like, called the restaurant and was like, can I stage on Friday? <laughs> and he, Chef Ben was like, yeah come on in, gonna come at four o'clock. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I had like never been to the restaurant and didn't know anyone there. And I was kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so I just like tried my best to like, keep your head down and do whatever they asked to like get it done fast and do it right. And then they were like, you want to come back tomorrow? And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> so I came back and worked Saturday night. And then, um, I was, Working Saturday and then they're like, "Hey, why don't you come back in like two weeks? That way you can see the menu after it's changed because Friday into Saturday is the same menu." Right. Um. So I came back like two weeks later and staged again. And then at the end of that night, they were like, "You want to work here?" And I was like, "I guess so." <laughs> uh. So then I put in like a one month notice at Hardy, and then I can't remember honestly if I staged again before I started, but um, that lined up nicely to where I um, kind of helped with pastries a little bit, but was mostly doing Garmo. Um, And yeah, did Garmo for about six months there.
0: Okay. And for people who, for any listeners who don't know, um, staging just means basically it's like an unpaid internship. You're kind of just going and and working for free, but you're learning. And that's kind of the important thing. You're getting paid in knowledge. So you got to take me back to that first night. I mean, I'm assuming you don't know anyone at the restaurant. You're, no. you're just you're just walking in totally blind. You're just like, Hey, I'm here to help. Like what, what did they have you do? Where were your nerves? Just kind of walk me through that experience.
1: Um, so I, I guess I like knew of one person at the restaurant that was Terrell. Um, so he was on the culinary team also, but not when I was, um, so I kind of knew of him, but I hadn't met him before. And then, um, I think I just came in and they just kind of like looked at the Garmo like prep list to see what they had left. I don't even remember what I helped prep, but (laughs) Um, service like seemed to go pretty smooth. Uh, There was definitely like a lot thrown at you all at once because you're like seeing all the plates for the first time. And like, again, I still didn't really know like a lot of kitchen lingo. And then that was my first time working on like, a line where there's other people too because at cultiva is just kind of like you're running your own line you get your tickets and you put them up so you're not calling them you, you read it yourself <laughs> um so kind of like learning what the like ticket call outs meant and like how like just how their kitchen worked was like a lot the first night um but I guess yeah it was just mostly like plating stuff because I came in right before service so there wasn't a lot of like prep to be done after that um but, yeah, just making sure you were, like, hustling and working clean, working fast. Um, I tried to ask, like, not too many questions <laughs> to be, like, suspiciously unknowledgeable, but enough <laughs> that I could, like, get what they wanted done.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: It was very nerve-wracking.
0: <laughs> so at what point did you start to feel comfortable with that process of working on the line? Because you, you said it. It's extremely different than, you know, operating, you know, doing everything working at one station operating online is very different than you know making one whole plate at once and then giving it to someone how long did it take for you to kind of feel like you knew what you were doing and you had that process down
1: um honestly like I felt like (laughs) <laughs> really, I didn't know how to run the line, so to speak, until actually I was done at our cron- my first time and then was at Mertz because then at Mertz I did Garmo and it was very similar to Cultiva where you run your own line by yourself because oh, really? it's out front. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of backtracking a little bit like, oh, you're in charge of yourself again now. And so the kind of like the overlap there was like the kitchen lingo I wasn't familiar with and kind of like how fine dining works applied to what I did at Cultiva where you're kind of working by yourself. Um, so being able to run the own, your own line there kind of made more sense to me after the fact. (laughs) So really then now, like I haven't been back on the line with other people for quite a while. I did like a brunch service at our um, just for fun. And then, um, really that's like that's it. It kind of just ended like a long time ago and forgot about it. Um, but yeah, when I worked brunch recently, it like made so much more sense of like how everything was going to work and how it was going to flow. And I felt a lot better at that point. (laughs) So really it took like almost like six months or more.
0: Uh It was a while. How important do you think it was for your growth to, as you're going to school, you're also working in restaurants. So you have an outlet to take the skills that you're learning and actually put them into practice, you know, in the fire as opposed to just gaining a bunch of book knowledge and then all of a sudden you're just dumped into a restaurant day one and you have to just figure it out
1: yeah um no I think definitely like for anybody in culinary school like getting a job in the industry is gonna like just increase your learning like tenfold versus like you said just doing all your book stuff at once and then all of a sudden going to a restaurant because you're gonna have to figure out all the quirks of your specific restaurant too, like Maybe the way you learned in culinary school is like a way to do it, but maybe they do it differently. So kind of having that overlap, I think, helps you realize that like, okay, there's multiple ways to do one task. Maybe this works better for me in this environment, but then here I might do it this way. And I even noticed that like for things I do at home or at the restaurant or at school, I might do it three different ways just because of the environment or like what works better there. Or even down to, like, the oven. Like, at home I have a a regular oven and work there's a convection oven. So maybe you have to adjust things um, in that way. But I think also just kind of learning, like, how to work in a kitchen is super helpful, too. Because definitely, like, school is way less, like, demanding (laughs) in that aspect. Whereas, like, being in a real kitchen is going to get you, like, all of those things that are hard to learn from a book. It's going to be things you have to learn on your feet.
0: Mm hmm now, from what we've talked about in your career so far, a lot of your experiences have been on the savory side of things. At what point did you start to drift more towards desserts, or how did you get started down that path?
1: Um, I guess, like I said, I really liked baking in high school, just did it for fun. And then when I was looking at culinary schools, there is actually a culinary school in Lincoln at Southeast, um, but they just have like a general culinary program. So you do like a few baking classes but Metro had like a baking program. Um, so that was something that was like exciting to me even before I went to school. Uh, so I came up to Omaha to like do the baking program. (laughs) Um, and then that's why I was really excited to work at the bakery. I was like, man, like I've wanted to work in a bakery like forever. (laughs) Um, so I was always kind of pastry driven. And then, um, I did that stage at Akron and I was like, maybe some savory work would be beneficial. Like, it can't not be. <laughs> um, so I tried to just get some like hands-on savory stuff under my belt. And then, um, I did a little bit of savory stuff on the culinary team, but I was the pastry chef for culinary team. So it's kind of been back and forth just with like, um, different experiences overlapping on one another mm-hmm. and how I got to where we am.
0: <laughs> Feel completely free to correct me on the what I'm about to say, because obviously I've never been a pastry chef, but I'm someone who's who's fascinated. I really like to learn, so I've watched documentaries on uh, pastry chefs. I've read books written by pastry chefs, and the perception that I get is that the pastry station is kind of separate. It's almost like its own little environment from the rest of the kitchen, where you know everybody else is, like you said, kind of working cohesively and everything, and the and the pastry chef is kind of doing their own thing. Is that reality, or am I wrong in that?
1: Um, I think in terms of, like, prep, that's pretty close. Like, at both restaurants, I was really doing, like, the pastry prep. Um, Every so often, I might have somebody, like, help me with one thing here and there that was, like, just kind of like, oh, I have this measured out. Can you, like, toss it together? Or vice versa, like, hey, can you measure this out, and I'll toss it together when I get there. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, prep-wise, like, I was doing – the pastry stuff for both places and then um at mertz it's kind of overlapped with the bread program so i do the rolls there and the crackers um previously the rye bread was under pastry as well but now one of their morning um prep people does the rye bread um so that's helpful because it takes a long time (laughs) um bread's also not really my strong suit so it's kind of nice to have somebody else help with that and i'll learn from them Mm -hmm. along the road um But service-wise, dessert stuff comes out of Garmo at both places. So um, savory-wise, sometimes there's things that get fired where it's like you can only prep it up to a certain point. Um, But for pastry stuff, almost all the time, like everything's done beforehand. Um, Every so often, I might have like a fried thing or like a thing that's flashed in the oven. But for the most part, everything's done. Um, So then it just comes down to plating. Okay.
0: Okay. Most of what we've talked about so far has been related to work that you've done in restaurants, but you've also kind of started branching off and doing some stuff on your own. I know that you've done some Mother's Day and Easter confection boxes. Um, You recently in April had a pop-up at the Miller Dorman Farm. Um, What made you want to branch off and start doing your own things as well?
1: Uh, So really like last year um, when everything closed, that was kind of like right before Mother's Day. Um, and I had done some like Valentine's Day boxes just for my friends because I had just taken the chocolates class like that winter and I was just like obsessed with making chocolates and I was like man I want to do this all the time (laughs) and so the Valentine's Day boxes were just for fun and they went like pretty smoothly and I made like Five of them, and I felt pretty good about it. And I was like, "Okay, well, I have all this free time. The restaurants are closed. I have no money. Let's make Mother's Day boxes." <laughs> and they actually like went through the roof. I think I sold like forty boxes. Wow! For, that was last year, and I was just like, "Oh my god, what did you get yourself into?" Because <laughs> it's kind of like you said you were doing this, so like you have to now. <laughs> Um, and it went super well. I had a good time. Like, I didn't have any, like, major catastrophes happen. Um, and I had a lot of people just, like, say, like, hey, I really, like, enjoyed these. Are you doing this again? And I was, like, I mean, maybe. Like, I haven't really thought about it. Um, so that was kind of at the end of the holiday season last year. So then nothing really happened between, like, Mother's Day and Christmas. So then I did a lot of, like, work with chocolate just on my own. And then at the restaurants, I, like, started making bonbons for au Um, so they offer those as the petty fours now. So I got a lot of experience over the summer, um, and just into the fall, even, um, making those. And then I was like, all right, holiday season's coming, let's go. (laughs) And so then that's when I kind of was like trying to figure out like, okay, well, how can I like make this an actual thing for myself? Um, so kind of over the holidays, I got like a logo made, I got business cards made, I like did some research on different packaging, um, cause I was like folding my own boxes out of paper and it was taking forever. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought boxes, which saved me a lot of time. And then, um, kind of moving into mother's day this year, I had like a completely different setup from last year, which was really helpful. Um, but still like I'm working out of my apartment it's like <laughs> really tight. <laughs> so kind of moving forward and trying to find a place to work that's not out of my house and then just kind of having a... Um, like, constant offering of stuff. Like, right now I only do, like, special orders or holidays. So I don't have, like, constant inventory by any means because I don't have, like, sales happening. <laughs> so that's kind of the next step, which is hard to take because you're going to have to, like, invest enough to make it worth it but not too much that you're going to lose all of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So trying to find that balance for probably, like, the fall.
0: Well, that's going to be really fun to see that continue yeah. <laughs> to evolve because even just watching it on Instagram just – going through and looking at the progression was really fun as I was doing my research for this. You mentioned that you really found a love for making chocolates. What's, what's fun about making chocolates? What draws you to that?
1: Um, I remember when I was actually looking at the baking program way back before I came to school, I was like, they have a chocolates class. Oh my God. Like, I'm so excited to take that class. And it took like two years of like being at the school and finally like got into second year baking. And then I was like, chocolates class, let's do it. And it was like perfect timing because really everything closed after that. And I was really glad I got that class in before everything got warped into what it is now. Um, So that was like just something I was looking forward to like from the beginning and I have a huge sweet tooth so (laughs) I already is like just love chocolate Um, and then again it's kind of like tying into that like exactness where like working with chocolate you have to like be exact about all of your things and make sure that you like do it by the book otherwise it isn't gonna work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You mentioned right there that you have a sweet tooth. Has working as a pastry chef and basically making sweets... And desserts your career has that affected your love for dessert at all (laughs) has it increased it has it decreased it or is it pretty much the same
1: um I think if anything it's increased it because definitely I didn't like I wasn't familiar with anything like plated dessert wise like before I came to school um or saw anything in Omaha really like I hadn't been to like a fine dining restaurant until I moved here um so I think if anything it's gotten even more like I've gotten more passionate about it than I was before
0: all right, I'll get you out of here on uh, two last questions. Um, what is one thing you feel that most diners don't understand about the world of desserts or the world of pastry?
1: Um, maybe I even something like I'm trying to understand more is how to work in savory aspects or like work in savory ingredients. Um, I think I guess for myself and maybe new diners is just like, oh, pastry is like a cheesecake or a chocolate cake or something that's way too rich and I'm gonna feel sick when I eat it. And just trying to like encourage people to order at the end of their meal is like something that's always going to be a challenge. Like people come in to a restaurant usually because they're gonna have dinner and then trying to get them to say, okay, yeah, I can have a little bit more. Like you have to really entice them in that way and just getting people to appreciate like that aspect of fine dining or even just like at a general restaurant where they maybe just went for dinner and then trying to get them to take that next step I guess.
0: Well you like I mentioned at the top of the show you've done that for Sarah and I now <laughs> so for at least two diners mission accomplished <laughs> and I'll get you out of here on on a very positive question and we may have talked about this at some point during the interview, but. Just to put a nice bookend on it, what is your favorite part about being a pastry chef or working with desserts?
1: Um, I think really just being able to be creative in all the ways that I, like, have wanted to be for the last couple years and getting to, like, really apply all these different things that I've wanted to do for so long into something that's real and something that's supported by other people. Um, And... I guess in general, I just really love working in the restaurants that I've been in and having those people to support me and seeing where all of the things I've learned along the way have like a way of getting you to your next step.
0: It's really, really fun to see how far you've come in such a short amount of time. Like I feel like you are at the very start of your career and you've already done some amazing <laughs> things. So it's going to be fun to continue to see that progression. Um, to any listeners out there, go to vMurts save room for dessert because the things that Lindy can create are just spectacular. Even things that you might look on the menu and say, Hey, I don't normally gravitate towards this type of dessert or these type of flavors. Like give it a try. She will change your mind. She's changed my mind several times. Also follow Lindy on Instagram at Linda McFinder. um, Because that's where you'll see those, those specialty boxes of chocolates like she was talking about. So you know, we're talking about holidays and then potentially, you know, it, as you mentioned, maybe that progresses into more over time. That's a good place to follow her to find out. Lindy, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a real pleasure and I'm so, so grateful for your time.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.
0: It was my pleasure. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. ahura Media Production.